everyone. This is Regina. Hi, horse lovers. This is Lynn. This week on the Horse Industry Podcast. We are sponsored by Purple Power Equine. Looking to add performance, power, and balanced nutrition? Purple Power Equine has many products that will become essential in preparing your equine athlete for performance. Whether you need to help gut and hoof health or add weight, body, and dimension, Purple Power Equine can help bring success to your equine athlete. Gastro Power, Power Up. Hoof Power, Power Punch. Emergency Power. Visit purplepowerequine.com or on Facebook at Purple Power Equine. Lynn, where are you? I am in Sulphur Springs, Texas, at the absolutely beautiful Texas Star Week. Oh, how fun. Right? We are laying over here. So we're, we started our little adventure a couple of weeks ago, and we're laying over here in Texas, and we're going to go to, I'm going to show my horse for the first time this weekend at a cutting horse event. That is super exciting. We had talked last year about how you were getting back into the show pen in 2022 and the time is now. How is it going? Is it totally fun and everything you ever dreamed of? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so we, on the way here, Gina's laughing because she knows the story. <laughs> on, the, on the way out here, we stopped and had some maintenance done on our horse's joints. So when we first got here, I couldn't I need to give my my gelding a couple days off. So our friends let me borrow this beautiful cutting horse. And I rode to the herd for the first time on this horse. And wait, was a, right, riding to the herd. Does that mean you're riding yes. up to the herd of cattle? Yeah, it's a cutting horse term. So it's like Got it. when you you ride to the herd. So I rode to the, I had never done this before. So I rode to the herd as if I were showing. It was an absolute disaster. I nearly fell off. I forgot everything that I knew. Um, my husband was basically holding his head in his hands when I came out and I apologized to him profusely and said, I will never be judgmental of anything that I ever see you do on a cutting horse ever again. Like it was so bad. I lost sleep for two nights. I'm like, I can't do that. I really was regretting the chaps that I had just ordered and the hat that I had just purchased. I'm like, I'll never show like I'm done. Like I cannot do this. Self-doubt, total self-doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. So then, so fast forward, fast forward to yesterday. It was a beautiful Texas day, 70s, breezy, sunny. They have a beautiful round pen and I was able to ride my own horse and I had a great ride and a great day and things are back on track. And I am, I'm going to show my horse this weekend. I'm pretty excited. Good. It's tough. And I've always said that Lila is fortunate because obviously I'm a perfect mother and all aspects of life. But as a horse show mom, I had just kind of finished up showing myself when she started going to the show pen a lot more. And so I had that feeling that she has of the heart is pounding and I'm at the cone and I can't remember my pattern. It's not easy to be a competitor. No. In fact, I've got a new rule. I think that all all spouses and parents should follow. They must be required as a spouse or whatever, whoever supports you. They've got to go try to do this themselves before they ever 
judge you or critical of any mistakes that you might make because it's hard. It is hard. But as you shared, you know, we are so blessed that we get to live this life and travel and do what we want to do with our family and our beloved animal companions, which is actually kind of a good segue, Lynn, into the topic that we're going to talk about today. And we're going to be talking about the Ukrainian riding horses. I was like so many people, and it's it's hard to even find the words to express the heart sickness that you and I and all of us feel over what has happened in Ukraine. And of course, our first and foremost concern is for the people of Ukraine and the citizens. And yet, when we think of those families, we know that a family unit actually oftentimes goes beyond the people and it's dogs and cats and pets, rabbits and chickens and horses and livestock. It's a, it's tough. What's going on right now in the world is super tough. Yeah. I can't even imagine Gene. I mean, you look at those people standing in line or trying to get on a bus to evacuate and you know, there's a lot of people that have left animals behind that they just, their first and foremost thought is to save their family. And they had to leave their animals. And one of the things that you and I talked about earlier, like the dairy farmers, like these dairy farms are trying to still operate in the middle of a war with hundreds of cows that need to be milked every day, feeding them. I mean, there's beef farms, there's swine farms, there's chicken farms, like all of that is they're they're still trying to function in a war. And I cannot even imagine. We can't imagine. When Russia invaded Ukraine, I was curious as to what kinds of horses were, you know, are in Ukraine. I mean, this is the horse industry podcast, and clearly we are not a news media, a news organization. We're a podcast. So I was trying to figure out, okay, what what part of Ukrainian culture and the horses in Ukraine, could you and I talk about? And so I literally typed in Ukrainian horses and up popped Ukrainian riding horses. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And as I started to kind of educate myself on the horses of Ukraine, I have to admit that I'm embarrassed because I did not have a true grasp of the diverse breeds of horses that are across the world. I mean, in our in our life here in the United States, there are the, you know, the quarter horses and the paints and the apps and there's thoroughbreds and Morgans and Arabians, all of those types of horses that I think, okay, well, if there's another country with horses, it's probably because they had some native horses and then they just imported some of ours, which is such an arrogant American view of horses. I did not, it, it is so amazing to me, the diversity of the species that's across the world. In fact, in some of my research, I pulled up, it's the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations. And in Ukraine alone, there are 21 different breeds of horses. And Lynn, only three of those are breeds that you and I would recognize. The Hufflinger, the Shetland Pony, and the Thoroughbred. Every other breed of horse in Ukraine are breeds of horses that I have never heard of. Oh, and did you notice that I said Hofflinger, correct? I just did. I was just going to say something about that. I'm like, Hofflinger. So yes, we have been corrected on our pronunciation of Hafflinger. 
We had just completed an episode on cars named after horses. And Lynn and I were Hefflinger, Hefflinger, Hefflinger. Come to find out my mother corrected us because Tim Abler, a judge in Michigan, had corrected her years ago. So from this point forward, we will always say Hofflinger. However, people look at me a little funny. So at the barn here, they have a Hofflinger uh, in, in the barn that they're training. And just amazing pony. And I referred to her as a Hofflinger and they're like, you mean Hafflinger? And I'm like, no, I am using the correct, correct pronunciation. So I think it's just us Americans that have screwed that up. I, I'm sh- I'm sure of it. And again, <laughs> another good segue into this episode is that there's a number of names of horse breeds and people in this episode. I spent quite a bit of time at howtopronounceit.com. And so I'm going to do my very, very best with some of these names. And please forgive me if uh, if I say it incorrectly or if I say it one way once and then kind of twist it around the next time I say it. So back to the Ukrainian riding horse. I When I typed in Ukrainian horses, up popped Ukrainian riding horse. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I want to learn about the Ukrainian riding horses. And I was looking at it like a riding horse is like a paint horse or a quarter horse. Well, the Ukrainian riding horse, Lynn, is is actually its own breed. It's a relatively young breed. In fact, the stud book itself didn't start till 1971. The Ukrainian riding horse, it, you know, the horse is about 15-1 to 16-1 hands high, although it's getting a bit bigger. I mean, there's some now that are about 17 hands. And it, it kind of cracks me up because I think about the difference in height on so many of our horses right now, you know, our paint horses, it's, it used to be kind of a big deal if your horse was 16 hands. Well, now we're, you know, we're showing horses that are 17 hands high. And then I think of your beautiful cutting horses and they're short compared to these little, horses. Yeah. Yeah. They're little shorties. They're like they're little 14, sh- two, 14, three, maybe they'll get to 15 hands but their chests are massive. I think that's what surprised me so much was how beautiful and big and massive their chests are. Where our pleasure horses, they're still kind of long bodied and tall and kind of equal. Anyway, so the Ukrainian riding horse, they're anywhere from 15 hands to 17 hands. They're going to be bay or chestnut, black or brown. They're about a thousand pounds. A lot of people call them Ukrainian warm bloods if they're referring to the Ukrainian riding horse, but it's, it's really the same horse. Now they're large, heavy saddle horses with a solid build. They have expressive eyes, a long straight neck, prominent withers, and a long flat back. And they've been described their personality as being calm, friendly, intelligent, and trainable. So these Ukrainian riding horses, like I said, it's a relatively young breed. Back in the beginning of the 19th century in Russia, there was a man named Count Rostopchin, and he crossed some Arab studs with Karabakh, Kabarda, Persian, and Don mares. The mares from this cross were then mated to the Orlov stallions, and a new breed of horse was created in Russia called the Orlov Rostopchin horses. These horses were used in the Russian army. 
They were athletic and strong and fast and easy to work with. Now, during World War I, during the occupation of Ukraine, nearly all of the Orlov Rostopchin horses were killed. So after World War I in 1931, there was work from a number of individuals that wanted to restore the breed. And it was a, it was a pretty big focus. There's a lot of effort that went towards restoring that Orlov Rostopchin breed. Well, after World War II, again, only two purebred stallions and one mare of that breed survived. These three horses were then bred to thoroughbreds, Arabs, and some horses called the Akal Techies. Now, the offspring of those crossings were today's Ukrainian saddle horses. Now, it's interesting to note that the Akal Techies, that's a breed of horse that even before the invasion of Ukraine, I was made aware of the fact that it's a breed of horse that's close to being extinct. And I think you and I have both seen that there's a lot of effort right now with people trying to evacuate the last of the Akal Techie horses out of Ukraine into safe areas. You've seen that, haven't you? Yeah, I have. And you and I both been following a couple of Facebook pages and it is just, just overwhelming the support that's coming from outside of Ukraine from border countries trying to get trailers to the border or meet them at the border to be able to get those horses out of the country. Yeah, we're following a couple of Facebook pages. One is Help Ukraine Horses. And the other one that I've joined is Worldwide Vet. And also there's a website called helpukrainehorses.eu. So there's certainly a number of organizations out there trying to help these animals. And our fingers are crossed that they can be evacuated. Back to the Ukrainian riding horses. So today, there are seven lines within the breed, with the Bespekni line being the closest to that extinct Orlov Rostopchin breed. Now, the Orlov Rostopchin breed is, of course, extinct. And many people often refer to it as the Russian saddle horses. So we have the Ukrainian saddle horses and then the extinct Russian saddle horses. As I shared, the Ukrainian saddle horses stud book started in 1971. In 1990, there was the official approval of the State Committee for Food and Procurement of the Council of Ministries of the USSR that approved this Ukrainian riding horse breed. Now, this approval happened right before the breakup of the Soviet Union and when Ukraine gained its independence. Interesting enough, the Soviets used the Ukrainian riding horses in the Olympics, in European games, and in different world championship competitions. It's certainly a breed that has become well-known in being amazing competitors. In 2004, which is the most recent time that I could gather this data, there were 1,393 Ukrainian riding horses registered. In Ukraine, there are 24 oblasts, or what they refer to as regions. Their, their Ukrainian riding horse has been found in 13 of those 24 oblasts. And in 2004, there were actually 84 studs in Ukraine. And 
you said that you looked at the size of Ukraine. How big is it? Ukraine is the size of Texas, Gina. So within that geography are all of these beautiful Ukrainian riding horses. Awesome. Yeah. It's, you think of a country being super big, but actually Ukraine is not huge. I mean, Texas is a big state, but to think of the fact that the entire country is a state of Texas, kind of be able, it's able, gives us the ability to put it into perspective. Right. Right. So when we, when we talk about the Ukrainian riding horses, their training begins when they're 18 months old, when they're like two or three years old, they're actually tested to see if they're going to excel best in racing, dressage, cross country, or show jumping. Only the best Ukrainian riding horses are kept for stud. Now, if they are crossed today, many times they're bred to each other, or if they're bred to thoroughbreds, the idea is that they're hopefully you know going to be a little lighter. Or if they have a horse that they want to make a little heavier, they will breed that horse to the Hanoverians. So Lynn, that kind of gives us the background of the Ukrainian riding horse. As we've seen, you know, we're following these Facebook groups and the, our heart goes out to the horses and the people and the families who are in this situation. We've seen reports of famous stallions named Cornet Obolensky and Com2 Fault that were actually evacuated into Germany. And these are some, I mean, amazingly well-respected, tons of earnings stallions who have been saved. Yet there's other horses there that don't have that access to be able to be evacuated and protected. We've seen reports of horses that have literally been turned out into woods because they have a better chance of surviving out there than they do within their own, their own homes. Yeah. It's so emotional. Like I, there's two racetracks that are not that far outside of Kiev and they are, so the racetracks are there and I believe that they're standard breads or they're like riding horses and somebody feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that the, the jockeys or the drivers have been trying to stay there and save those horses. And I read that they had like feed for a month. And so they're just trying to keep those horses alive in that, in those stables at those racetracks until they can be evacuated. So they're risking their lives every day to go out and, and care for these animals. Yeah, I read that as well. And I the, the frustration is that, you know, there's never enough money, but the funds seem to be there. The biggest concern is that it's the transportation issue. It's difficult to get the feed to the places where the feed needs to get. And it's also difficult to find transportation for those horses to get evacuated. The roads are not safe. The bridges have been blown out. People are risking their lives trying to help people and uh, animals as well. And even at the different crossings for the different countries, some, some other countries have more strict guidelines as to whether the horses can come through. Do they have the right paperwork? Do they have supply? I mean, it's just, it's just heart-wrenching to see people struggle. Yeah. So Gina, I'm happy that you were able to tell the story about the Ukrainian riding horses and it's, you know, just documenting history for our listeners so that, I mean, if, even though we can't necessarily help out, but we can record the history of those horses and preserve it. 
Thank you. You know, again, when the invasion of Ukraine happened, it just kind of sparked that curiosity in me as a horse person. And I've learned so much and I encourage our listeners to do their own research and join these Facebook groups and follow it and learn about the different breeds of horses that are throughout the world and the plight that they're in, in situations like this. So we wish all the best to all the people and animals of Ukraine. So that's our story this week. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to spending more time with you and sharing stories of our industry. See you next week.